Here's Newt. That I am told, this is hearsay, but I am told by a reliable source that Friday evening, somebody from Washington called the district attorney in Atlanta and said, you have to indict on Monday. We have to cover up all of the mistakes we just made with Weiss. And she said, hmm. apparently, my jurors aren't coming back till Tuesday. And they said, you didn't hear me. You have to indict on Monday. And she said, well, that's going to get here before noon. They said, it doesn't matter. She said, this, this means it's going to be 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock at night. She said, it doesn't matter. We need the news so media who, shifting who, who off ma- of who made that phone call? We don't know. And I'm, and I'm telling you up front, this is hearsay, but it's from a person who has remarkably good I, I, sources. I totally believe it, though, because that would explain why they leaked and they messed up on the clerk document, why she was exhausted, <laughs> and why they had the 11 p.m. press conference, Mr. Speaker. Now, I told you something very similar, and I didn't have this knowledge on uh, Tuesday's broadcast, that a phone call was made and that the reason a phone call was made, now I didn't know, I still don't know what the Weiss screw-up is. I, I, I'm not sure what he's talking about, uh, what, what Speaker Gingrich is talking about, but that the call was made, and Fannie, uh, be not tender with my with Trump's love, uh, did where well, she was commanded, because there are people in the satanic Democrat party you don't cross. There's a pecking order. They're pecking. They're, well, no, because they have cloven, uh, cloven hooves. There's a hooving order. <laughs> they don't have beaks. They have hooves. There's a hooving order. You're right. There is a hooving order. It's called a hierarchy. And she ain't at the top of it. But she's going to have to. But now, now, look, the, the, <laughs> the letter has been sent to Governor Brian Kemp. I don't know if Kemp has to stamp this thing or not. I haven't read the Georgia Constitution. But the three-fifths majority in the Georgia Assembly and the three-fifths majority in the Georgia Senate both voted to have a special session and to investigate and then or to investigate impeaching Fannie B. Not Tender with Trump's love, Willis. What you talking about, Willis? So apparently the Georgia legislature has a check on county official per the Georgia Constitution. I Again, I haven't read the Georgia Constitution lately, so I can't comment and can't tell you for show. But that sounds to me, why would they call a special session? It sounds to me like they must have the authority. And if they do, then they would, uh, ostensibly they would impeach her. But that wouldn't stop the trial, though. That would just change the prosecutor. Yeah, but the next prosecutor. And then the next prosecutor may come in and go like, we have decided to withdraw the charges. We're going to go ahead and dismiss all 19, all 31 counts. Now, there's something else here, though, going on in the Peachtree State that I think is interesting. And most commentators are going to pass right over this and are going to get it. Because they're not us, Lebowski. We have a rule around here. Don't mess with us, Lebowski. Here is the Lebowski rule. So let me see if I understand this. Three-fifths of the Georgia Assembly and three-fifths of the Georgia Senate are so concerned about the reputation of the state of Georgia and the actual rule of law that they are willing to convene a special session of that legislature and impeach 
Fanny, be not tender with Trump's love with us. Now, this is the same legislature or the same state that produced not one, not two, not three, but four electoral victories for one pinko socialist pig, Raphael Warlock Warnock. He died in the wool, pro-choice, Stacy Slobrum's extremist. He didn't win once. He won four times. He beat Herschel Walker twice. He beat Kelly Leffler twice. How is that possible in a state where you go, well, Biden beat Trump? No, Biden didn't beat Trump. It is going to be proven that Trump won Georgia. I've been ma maintaining this all along. Trump won all those states. He won Georgia. He won Pennsylvania. He won Michigan, and he won Wisconsin. And I believe that he won Arizona as well. But the well-oiled, sinister machine that is the Democrat Party uh, was not going to give him another shot at them in 2020. I was going to give him another four years. That, that's just, that is just simply the way history is going to and should record this. But how is it that possible that the Georgia, that in the state of Georgia, a Raphael Warnock stronghold now, and Fanny, being not tender with Trump's love, Willis is a black woman. How is it possible that, and Raphael Warlock Warnock, if you don't know, is a black man, how is it possible that that same state that could elect both of them and certainly in Warlock's case, because he wasn't elected, he was installed, now has the temerity to call for a special session. I may also ask the question, why didn't they do this in December of 2020? Or January of 2020? Now, they had subcommittee hearings where all this evidence and stuff was introduced. <clears throat> But they didn't actually call for a special session to decide the fate of the 2020 election and do a full-scale investigation. Member, in the state of Georgia, your ballot does not count if it is not physically, now it has to be physically rendered by the Dominion voting machine tabulation or, or, or voting device scanned by batch and then counted. Your ballot does not count, which is why we played you that recording yesterday, that guy going like, okay, you want to see it? Here you go. This is just one batch. They have hundreds of them. One batch of 90-some-odd ballots or however many it was, and he showed these are the most egregious ones, but they're all the, they all are duplicated. This is just one batch here that shows, and he showed that uh, the, the ballots are hand, uh, the, so like an old SAT exam. You take a pencil and you fill in the oval with your pencil, right? Uh, they probably do it on a screen with a stylus, same thing. Those ballots can't be counted. So remember, in the first effort, the first the lawsuit that Trump filed, and that another party filed, which were both thrown out, uh, uh, Trump's because they said he didn't have I, I forget the the, the the guy's case who was thrown out said he didn't have standing. And the guy's like, well, I'm a Georgia resident, resident. I voted. What do you mean I don't have standing? 
Well, ultimately, the Georgia Supreme Court overturned the lower court, and that case is now going to be heard or is being heard. And the evidence from that case, that's what's going into the 2000 Mule Project, and that's what's going to be presented in Mordor and the Potomac when Jack Smith said, there was never any evidence, no evidence that the election was stolen, no excuse to storm the Capitol on January the 6th, et cetera, et cetera. Trump's lawyer is going to go in there and go like, every case that we were pursuing was still open. And there is now ample evidence in every state where we said there was fraud and the election was stolen. There is now ample evidence. And in two instances, and in 23 instances, actually, we have one in court. Did you know that? Let's talk about the state of Wisconsin for just a moment. Most people probably have forgotten about this. Apparently, Jack Smith, Trump's uh, federal tormentor, has also forgotten about this. I forget which county it was. Remember the sheriff in the in, in that county that has the largest population of geezered citizens living in, uh, in, in uh, assisted living homes? Remember they did an investigation because a citizen complained. Uh, a a, a, a mid-40-something-year-old uh, woman went and visited her father in one of these homes and asked him if he voted. If, if they had taken them to the polls. The old man said, no. No, I did not. So when all this was going on in November of 2020, she decided to look it up and see. Well, she went on to the Register of Voters site, the Secretary of State, only to find out that her father had voted, and he'd voted for Biden. And she was so she went back to the old folks' home, and she didn't ask him again. She said, Dad, did you vote in the election? He goes, no, Gagnabich, whippersnapper, get out of here. I told you, I told you I didn't vote. And so then she went to the management of the old folks home and says, my father said he did not vote. Yet on the Secretary of State website, it says that my father voted in the 2020 election. How is this possible? And then, then it was revealed, the old folks home, somebody who was in management said, well, we had the, the, the vote harvesting guys came here. They gathered all the ballots up. And the, the woman went, vote harvesting guys, excuse me, what? So this then led, because supposedly this is kind of quasi-legal, but it's only in it's very special, rare cases. Can someone take the ballot of a geezered citizen who can't actually physically get to a mailbox or whatever, or to the register, to the uh, wherever it is that they vote? Basically, you can have someone take the vote for you. Well, what the Democrat Party did in that county was they sent people into these geezered citizens' homes, and they didn't ask any of them to vote. They just went and said, hey, we're going to come back, and we're going to allow you to vote. We're going to make it possible for you to vote. And then they never came back. They just made you. They, they, they got the voter rolls. They found out who was living in the geezered citizen homes, and they voted for them and then turned the ballots in. And then the sheriff... Of that county did a big hoopty doo press conference. We played it right here on the Crusade Channel, where he said, We know we have proof 
that votes were errantly cast in this county and we're going to prosecute the people responsible for it. Now, that should have triggered a statewide election. Oh, but the Wisconsin Supreme Court is packed with Democrats. And, they, and so is the governor. They stopped it every step of the way. Now, that prosecution, last I checked, was still going on in that county in Wisconsin. So there is, now, and that case wasn't even known to Trump at that time, but they did know the irregularities. All of this is going to come out in discovery. And the Democrat Party is not going to be victorious in any of these cases. You know, their latest line is, what, 91 charges? Surely he must be guilty. No, he's not guilty of something. Mike Churchill here on the Crusade Channel, always on air, always online, crusadechannel.com. Now I want to turn and I want to talk about Judas Barscariot. Judas Barscariot was partly responsible for the death, for the murder of Randy Weaver's wife, baby, and dog. Judas Barscariot was fill-in acting attorney general at the time of Ruby Ridge. Judas Barscariot is a career hack in the Injustice Department. Judas Barscariot was chosen by Donald Trump to be his second attorney general after Jeff Sessions resigned. Judas Barscariot worked for the deep state. Judas Barscariot is a traitor. Judas Barscariot is now out there trying to aid and assist his buddies in burying Donald Trump underneath the prison. Judas Barscariot was on with the other A-clown, Neil, Neil Cavuto, useful idiot, yesterday, and basically told Cavuto Trump's guilty. Now, I'm going to, sh I'm not a lawyer, I'm going to shred this ridiculous claim that Judas Barscariot's going to make. Um, I just want to know, how... Uh, who <laughs> How do these guys put heads on pillows and sleep at night? Seriously, Trump made you attorney general. And by the way, I'm going to point something out to you again that no one else is going to point out to you. Roll the tape, Maggie. Now, you know, the former president has a very different view on this, that this is a pile on, that this is very unfair. Uh, he's not even a fan of you being here on this show today, that that pile on is part of a process and a well-designed one. Yeah, well, I, I, as I say, I, yes, he has adversaries who are unfair, excessive, obsessive, and treat him fairly, uh, unfairly. Is any of this stuff, are the cases that you've seen, which are fair or legitimate? But I think the federal cases are legitimate. Uh, at the end of the day, at the core of this thing, he engaged in, in the case of the documents in outrageous behavior where anyone would be prosecuted. I don't know of any attorney general who could walk away from it. He's not I being do. prosecuted for having the documents. He's being prosecuted for obstruction. Two egregious instances are alleged. So uh, I think that's a very simple case, and that should be tried. If the judge is anywhere competent, that could be uh, concluded uh, before the summer. And uh, the other case, after the election, uh, he, in my opinion, and he did cross the line. 
Uh, it wasn't just rough and tumble politics. He crossed the line. When with, did he cross it for you? I think the federal gov- uh, case is is good. I mean, is 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 responsible because it really focuses on the hub of the issue, which is not just the lies and knowing they were lies, and and that's what they allege, but uh, the fact that he used this device of impaneling imposter electors swearing that they were the the electors but the key point there was they were in tandem with a plan whereby the vice president would use that as a pretext for nullifying the legal and certified votes so it was a calculated and deceitful plan to remain in office by nullifying and negating certified legal votes and was that effort at that time the game changer for you like i I want to know when it came time that you were you know, the loyal attorney general, and then you just said, all right, enough is enough, because you resigned, the president, I, I, I said he fired you, but you resigned, yeah. but, but what, what, what do you think of that? I resigned on December 14th, because I thought that at that point, the state votes were certified, and that was the end of the legal process. Right. And uh, I also didn't like the way he was uh, spouting the big lie. All right. He was impaneling imposter. He was causing the impaneling of imposter electors. Uh, there is a coterie of very concerned citizens in the great state of uh, the great state of secede, 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 Michigan, who actually asked their legislator, the legislature, before certifying the votes that they should have an investigation and that they should consider uh, those people as electors. Now, those people, the, 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 the crux of the matter here, as I understand it, is and, and the reason that the attorney general in Michigan is prosecuting, and these are these are lovable old concerned citizens, the, uh, for... Seeking to defraud the people of the great state of Michigan by imposing as. No, they asked the legislature to choose them as electors. There is a vast difference. Look, I'm not even an attorney. I could beat, I, I could try this case. There is a vast difference when saying, no, he didn't know how they were going to vote. They never said how they were going to vote. They simply said, we don't trust the electors you have chosen. You should choose us. Now, everyone just assumes that they were going to go in there and that they were going to vote and they were going to give a Michigan's electoral vote to Trump. That's the first thing right there. Well, those people claim that they have been defrauded and railroaded, probably by the same FBI goons that invaded that other group, trying to make it look like they were out to assassinate Gretchen Dimwitmer. These people in Michigan are just detestable. I know you guys love your great state of Michigan, but really. I mean, at some point in time, you're going to have a revolution and be done with this democracy that you have there because it is just, it is almost as bad. Maybe it's as bad as Aaron's Illinois. It's so criminal and it's so corrupt. And Michigan is such a beautiful state. I I mean, really, folks, it's a blighted scar upon the continent. Now, let me get to the second issue here. And again, I'm not an attorney. I only play one on the radio here. This is from the Mount Vernon website. Now, why do we have attorneys general of the United States? Does anyone want to field a question? Because I'm more than happy to field it. 
Why? Well, TKD, because the Constitution Actually, the Constitution does not say so. Attorney General is never mentioned. There is no mention of it. There is no amendment. All 29 of them did the Constitution. Why should you just pull an Obama or a Biden and say, oh, 57 amendments. Not one of the 57 amendments in the 57 states, according to Obama. And there's no mention of the Attorney General. There's no mention of the office. As a matter of fact, there's no mention of any office other than Speaker of the House, Secretary of State. Why those two? 22nd and 24th Amendments having to do with presidential, or maybe the 25th, having to do with the secession of presidential power. Should the president be assassinated in office, die, or be removed because he's incompetent, which they could do to Biden. No mention of an attorney general. Well, then why and how do we have one and do we need one? Well, the answer to the question is no, we don't, and we probably shouldn't. But here's why we have one. From the Mount Vernon website, uh, Washington's Mount Vernon. Edmund Randolph was the first AG. It was as governor of Virginia that Edmund Randolph served as a delegate to the Constitutional Convention and introduced the Virginia Plan, which was uh, composed mostly by James Madison. Despite Washington's confidence in him, uh, 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 Randolph resigned as governor in 1788 in favor of serving in Virginia's House of Delegates. Now, they don't get into the reasons why Randolph resigned. Randolph resigned because he was going to be impeached. Patrick Henry was going to have, in the, in the Virginia House of Delegates, was going to have Redmond Randolph impeached because he lied at the Virginia Ratifying Convention of 1788. Don't you guys love the fact that I have all this history tucked in my brain away and I can just share it with you? Because some of it's exciting. Edmund Randolph had a letter from the Republicans of New York State. He received the letter on or around the, I forget, the 10th of June or so. They basically said that they were asking uh, Randolph to intervene and to stop the Virginia Convention. Oh, how very Trump of them. To stop the Virginia Convention on ratifying the, the Constitution until the Virginia Republicans could meet with the New York Republicans and in unison demand a Bill of Rights before ratification. In other words, they were going to send the delegates, the delegates back to Philadelphia to go have another convention. Well, Randolph made the unilateral decision, do not show the letter. He never read the letter to the, to the, to, to the convention, and it, and it was actually intended for George Mason, and he never gave it to Mason. Mason only found out about it after the vote to ratify, which only passed by three votes, that afternoon is when Randolph handed in Leonard goes, hey, bub, you might want to read this. And Henry and Mason and Grayson, uh, uh, Colonel Grayson and James Monroe and the great anti-federalists of the day were so incensed by that. They basically told Randolph, "You're going, dude, we are going to impeach you. You're going to be the first Virginia governor impeached. That's why Randolph resigned. Because he was going to be torched by Henry's by, uh, by by the House of Delegates. Not an irony, though, that Randolph decides to go be a member of the House of Delegates to kind of work from the inside to go, hey man, 
Because he said, well, it was, it was, they sent me the letter as, as, as Ed Moreno. They didn't address me at Esquire. They didn't address me as governor. That's debatable as well. Anyway, just, just understand who you're dealing with here. Randolph refused to sign the Constitution, by the way, but then he became an advocate for it at the federal convention. There's so much insider Mason Masonic politics going on here. Heaven knows what actually happened in that year. They destroyed all the records. I looked for them because I was going to write a movie about it. It was going to be called 50 Feet Away where because Randolph's office was right next to the, the, the hall where they were having the ratifying convention, and he had the letter. It was 50 feet from where they were debating. If that letter would have been shared, the convention would have been... We, we wouldn't have a constitution today. It would never have happened. If Randolph had done what, was, what he, was, he should have done, in, in any event, it's just another one of these little historical uh, quirks that no one knows about. That letter had been read... There would not be a constitution as you know it today, I believe. All right, so back to the uh, attorney general and the uh, Mount Vernon website. Randolph did not remain in the House of Delegates for long because in 1789, Washington appointed him as the nation's first attorney general. Now, why did Washington think that he needed an attorney general? Randolph was tasked with essentially defining the country's justice system. Well, that's the one-sentence explanation at Mount Vernon. The, the, the longer version, and I'm, I'm sure that the Washington did ask him to do that, the longer version of that is that Washington found out quickly that the United States Senate was filled with arrogant boobs. <laughs> And he had no tolerance for arrogant boobs. And so arrogant boobs were conniving and sniping at the president in the form as George Washington. And sometimes there were even there were things that the federal government was going to be tasked with defending in court. And Washington didn't think that he should have to pay for his own for an attorney to represent the United States, or that he should go and have to represent, or whatever the case may be. So he decided to create the office of attorney general and give uh, that power that he had, because he could have gone to the court and defended himself for the federal government uh, to, to let Edmund Randolph do it. But there's something else that Randolph was also charged with doing. Randolph was also charged with defending and advising the president so that he did not violate the Constitution and then the emerging federal law. Now, I have a question for Bill, uh, Bill uh, Barscariot. Why didn't you tell, sir, why didn't you tell Trump that he was violating the law as his counsel? You are the primary counsel. Rudy Giuliani was his personal attorney. You represented the interests of the United States, you fat tub of lard. Why didn't you tell Trump? 